You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Welcome to this very special episode on the podcast. What we're going to do here is a series. So I do these Instagram lives every day or at least a few times a week where I answer questions from uh, whoever logs on to the Instagram lives. I do them right now. I'm doing them at 2 p.m. Uh, on most days of the week. I might change the time. I might change the days. But I'm going to take the best of these and put them on the podcast. And I am doing these with my beautiful co-host, my wife, Robin. And sometimes we tell stories. Sometimes I answer questions. In this particular episode, I talk about the specific stocks that I own. I also talk about how I would start a business right now if I were 22 years old. I talk about psychological tricks that nobody thinks about when they price items. And I talk about how to use some unusual techniques to find ideas to start businesses. And then most of all, I start the story of my first time I attempted to kiss Robin. And this is going to be a series that's going to be ongoing. We'll label it the Q&A series. I hope you enjoy these. And at any point, you can send me feedback. Email me at altature at gmail.com or tweet at me at jaltature or tweet at Robin at raltature and ask us questions. And we will answer them on these Instagram lives and, and the podcast. And that will eventually get onto the podcast. So enjoy this. It's a new series. It's going to continue for as long as people are listening to it. And uh, it's it. We're, I'm still continuing the normal James Altucher show episodes and schedule. This will just be another series within uh, this podcast. So again, it's Q&A series. Me, my co-host, Robin, who's my wife. And today's episode, Stocks I Own, How I Would Start a Business If I Was 22 Years Old Right Now psychological tricks that you are unusual and you've never heard of and my first attempt to kiss robin hope you enjoy this thanks jay uh adobe creek films i wonder what films you've made any films we can watch the literary babe robin just joined and robin's right here robin welcome Everybody say hello to Robin when you get a chance. Robin, how's your day been today? I've been so busy in here. I've been busy too, in there. What, what have you been up to? I've been going after trolls been on Twitter. So Robin has become obsessed with antagonizing trolls. So apparently, this is a true story, right? Yeah. Apparently, there's something called the 50 Cent Army, which is China pays... China doesn't even allow people on the internet and China pays people 50 cents an hour or right. well, no, a post China pays 50 cents a tweet for people to go onto Twitter to harass people like Robin, Robin, why are they, they don't harass me. Why are they, hara- why do people from China harass you no, on Twitter? They're not, they're not harassing me. I'm going after them. Oh, you're going after them. Yeah. Um, and, and what are you saying? Like, how do you even find them? I, I just I post them as a troll, and I just you know. But how do you how do you find how do you find who's a troll on Twitter? Well, if they don't uh, have a lot of followers and they have broken English, 
and you know they're all over the place typically in their posts uh in terms of they're just trying okay. to create confusion okay so how do you find them though in the first place you find these people who are paid by china to harass people what do they do to harass people so so this is a good side hustle if you live in china you can go up to the local police force and say or the, the local cia or whatever the chinese version of the cia this is this is a side hustle for all of you guys logging in from china and uh victoria asked a good question which i'll ask in a second so these people are paid 50 cents a tweet to go and harass who on twitter yeah anybody anybody they just want to create confusion sometimes they'll follow you sometimes they're, they're going to be for trump uh, sometimes they'll be but what will they for, say well just they just they just create you know a confusion that's all they're just trying to you know they they create um uh protests they they create arguments on twitter so they'll like say they just want to Oh, are you uh, libtard or Trumptard? Yeah. And it figures you would think like that if you're from New York City or something like that? Yeah, they just say all sorts of stuff. And so how do you find them? You look for people who are responding to, like, Trump or Biden on Twitter? Right. And then you uh, you look for people who have zero followers but are following a bunch of people? Correct. And But they have, like, fake names or something? Yes. And then what do you do? How do you report them? Like, you can report them on Twitter? Yeah, you report them. You and I tag them too, so I just I tag them as a troll, and then I report them. You should uh, you should write an article about this. Like, how do I identify and I kill trolls? Because there's like 12 million of them from China. So that's why you need to write an article so people can. Maybe you should get paid. <laughs> people should get paid for eliminating trolls. It's almost like this video game. So good. You could go on Twitter, but do any when you when you report them, do they actually get blocked? Yes. All right, so you're and then they pop up again somewhere else. You're performing a valuable service for uh, I feel like there's this now that the the states are starting to reopen, uh which by the way reminds me don't remind me of the bullshit headline of the day. It happens to be CNN is the winner again of the bullshit <laughs> headline of the day and then we have a good headline of the day, the most honest headline of the day. But um it seems like there's this war, obviously, on several levels now between America and China. And it's and there's also still a lot of collaboration between America and China. So there's this war, obviously, Trump's incentivized to blame China for causing this virus to spread so much here. So he's accusing them of disinformation and misinformation. There's a trade war, which I kind of think China has already lost. Basically, the U.S., our whole supply chain, all our manufacturing was outsourced to China, and that's now changing. It's going to be Mexico. It's going to be India. It's going to be Malaysia. Jay, thank you. And uh, maybe it'll even be America. And now, there, and of course, there's cyber warfare every day, but there's this Twitter warfare. But it just kind of, Robin, let me ask you this. It shows how weak we are that a bunch of people paid 50 cents a tweet which is not a lot of money. So China's not spending a lot of money. It's not like they have 10 million people doing this. So people paid 50 cents a tweet are enough to influence American society is what you're saying. And, and it's just like in 2016, Russia, from our friend Phil Stutz told us, Russia, they analyzed, only spent $10 million. And supposedly that was enough, according to some people, to influence the U.S. election. Does it, it costs so little for countries to manipulate our weak American minds. I kind of think what you're saying is that Americans are, are weak if we're so easily influenced by, you know, basically people just being paid 50 cents a tweet in these other countries. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of money, actually, in China. I mean, most of the people in China are not, you know, they're very poor. And um, this is a way for them to make it's a side hustle for them. It's true. I, I would you. That's why there should be a side hustle to eliminate trolls. That I, I, I think that's a great. There idea. should be a Kickstarter. You, you should, right. you should put your your article and you want to get paid to eliminate trolls before the election. That's this is a side hustle. Eliminate trolls. So basically, yeah. go on to Trump's Twitter or Biden's Twitter or people who massively support either candidate. Find the people giving nasty responses with. Um, uh, but they have zero followers and they're just following or like a few followers. Yeah, maybe they have like three followers or whatever. And then just start reporting them. Is there any other indicator that they're 
uh, uh, they, yeah. maybe they just um, started on Twitter. Well, and also too, they they follow a lot of politicians and news, you know, news sites and such like that. They don't really follow just individuals. Okay, so they follow like CNN. Yeah. They follow Cosmopolitan. Uh-huh. Do they follow Cosmopolitan no, ever? I don't think so. They don't even know what Cosmopolitan <laughs> is. That's a sure sign. If you ask them, you should read that an article about that on Cosmopolitan. And if they don't respond, then that's a sure sign that they're a troll. Because then they just don't know. And they also, just don't know what they're talking about. They follow their own news as well. So that's how I know they're Chinese. Uh, I see. So they're following CNN and they're following like China Daily or something like that. Right. Or, or the Chinese version Chinese. of Chinese, China right. Daily. Yes. So uh, there's one. Um, uh, who's who's the perfect weapon? When is the 212 Ventures reunion? So just to... Someone's asking, when is the 212 Ventures reunion? So in 1999 slash early 2000, which was the ideal time, unfortunately, to not start a venture capital firm focused on internet companies, uh, me and whoever the perfect weapon to is started a venture capital firm. I guess I'm assuming John Smith, uh, John Smith would crush me at Defender. That's not your machine, John. Mark Canelli crushed the machine with his fists, but... We started a venture capital firm. We raised $125 million. We invested, John, maybe you can help. We invested about $30 million and we lost all of it. And they they paid us off just to get us. The investors paid us out because we were so bad. They paid us out the contract just to get rid of us. So that's one good way to make money. Uh, but another way, here's, I, I do think... Um, uh, can I do a series of the books on my shelf? Absolutely. I need to um, figure out what books are on my shelf. But I was thinking of one way, which I've talked about before, to make money, is that uh, coming, and this is not a side hustle, although it could be, and I'll describe exactly how I would do this. And Robin, you and I have spoken about this before. Mm-hmm. Every company, small, medium, big, but let's focus on the big ones, every company is gonna get back to work within the next one to four months and and say, oh my gosh, there's all these new, there's all these new laws related to compl- uh, c- coronavirus compliance. Like, do you need to wear a mask? Wh- are, what kind of masks are regulated? What masks aren't? Do you need to wear gloves? Do you need to wear face shields? Do you need to stay, do you need to rebuild your cubicles so people are six feet apart? Do you need to, um, how do you train people uh, in your company? How do you train the employees of your company to have coronavirus compliance? Do you need ultraviolet lights to be installed to get rid of coronavirus that might be in the air or on surfaces? Do you need to wipe down every surface every night? Like, are you liable on insurance or liability or whatever for coronavirus? So there's going to be a need for coronavirus there's going to be law. Susan asks, uh, Susan Flynn asks, are they laws or are they guidelines? Susan, that's a great question. They're going to be both. They're going to be laws and guidelines. And I think there's going to be, you know, a gray area where something's not a law, but you're still liable if someone gets sick. Like this is all law that hasn't been tested yet. These are all guidelines that haven't been tested yet. So, so companies are wanting, are going to want to be ahead of the laws and they're going to want to be specialists. They're going to want to hire specialists on coronavirus compliance. And the good thing is companies already have, uh, oh, Lane, thanks so much for your suggestions, by the way. I'm going to respond to your email. Um, but thank you so much. Anyway, there, every big company already has, there's about $100 billion in corporate America, maybe even more, that is already set aside to hire compliance experts. So diversity experts, sexual compli- laws compliance experts, uh, you know, all sorts of HR compliance experts. So now coronavirus experts are just gonna be a new category. So if I were, let's say I were in my 20s and I was trying to figure out a business to start, this is a valuable business to start. So I'll just quit, lawyers will be benefiting, true, but you don't have to be a lawyer to be an expert on this. So here's how I would do it. I would research all of the laws and rules myself. I would answer every question I can find on Quora and in LinkedIn groups and on Twitter about coronavirus compliance. 
I would write a ton of articles on different websites to improve my SEO rankings on Google about like, you know, what do you, you know, what do you do if a cluster of coronaviruses have an outbreak at work? What do you do if most of your workers are obese and or, or older than the age of 65 uh, in terms of coronavirus? What do you do if someone with coronavirus gets sick? Do they need to be out for 14 days, for 21 days? So I would write all of these articles and make it a, a, as intriguing as possible. Like, uh, you know, what the second wave might look like in your company. What does coronavirus architecture look like? Coronavirus design. Which CEOs caught coronavirus and what happened to them? Um, how much could your company lose if, if, you know, what percentage of revenues could your company lose if like for every single person who gets coronavirus? So I would write, I would write hundreds of articles about coronavirus and compliance in the Fortune 500. I would answer questions on Quora about it. I would answer questions in Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, and so on. And again, I'm all trying to improve my brand. Then I would start directing people to my free newsletter. I would write a book. Now we've discussed book challenges in the past of 30-day book challenges. So I would put together the Dow of coronavirus compliance and come up with 40 short things you need to know about coronavirus compliance or unusual things you didn't know about coronavirus. I'd write maybe a couple of these books, one a month, and I would start sending them to HR departments and saying, hey, I would love to come in and talk for free to your HR department about coronavirus compliance over the next year and two years. Then I would start a newsletter, free newsletter, that is, if anyone subscribes to it every week, they get all the newest laws and by the way, it's going to be state by state. It's going to be different. All the data, all the laws, all the drugs, everything, all the compliance. So now you're an expert. You've got books out. You've built up social media following around this. You're ranking higher on Google. You're now the coronavirus compliance person. Person. You've written books, so now you're an expert. Maybe you talk at a conference. Maybe you even start a conference and invite people to talk. If you're the source, that's always better than being not the source. You use the Google technique where Google is always the source, even though they send people elsewhere. So if you're always the source, you're the winner. Then if a company hires you, I would charge not so much. So you beat out all the lawyer, law firms and consulting firms and so on. I wouldn't charge so much, but I would, I would, for all the products you recommend, like, oh, you need to buy this ultraviolet light. You need to buy this fate, these face shields. I'll get the deal for you. Then you act like you, you, you use the interior decorator model. You basically charge 20% more. You buy and distribute everything in the company. And that's how you make the bulk of your money. I think these there are huge $100, 200000000 million businesses that will start up from scratch over the next year just doing this. So don't, this is not a side hustle. This is actually like a real business idea that, that I think you should do. Now I'll talk more about, uh, uh, Okay, how long is that going to take? Great question. Because this is not a side hustle, I'm talking about really developing a business. I would say to build your brand. And so building the brand involves um, doing a lot of work for free, right? Answering all these questions on Quora, writing hundreds of articles, writing not one, but two books, maybe even organizing a mini conference and do it in some place. Maybe a, co a corporation can sponsor it. So you don't have to spend any money, but you invite professors and scientists and so on. And you're the MC, you're the host and you speak in the beginning and the end and you invite all the HR departments in your city and other cities to come. Coronavirus compliance annual event 1.0. Boom, organized by James Altucher or whatever. And that's where you also find your first clients. But believe me, Every HR department is going to be Google. You even should buy Google keywords every or buy billboards. You could buy a billboard now for super cheap because billboards were already going out of business. And now who's driving a car past the billboard? Billboards will sell their advertising space to you for nothing just to have someone there. So you do all the right things. It'll take six months, six months before you get your first real valuable client. But within a year, I bet you, you could sell that business for between 10 and 20 million within two years, I bet you could sell that business for over a hundred million. And again, you don't even have to make any products. All your products are digital. And then you buy ultraviolet lights, gloves, sanit special sanitizers, whatever you need to buy. And you, you charge 20% more and 
you teach people how to use it. So you tr- maybe you charge for the training classes or not. Maybe you get in there by doing everything for free and making money on affiliate deals with all the products you use. So anyway, that's a legit, it's not a side hustle. It's a legit business idea, but you could start it on the side. You don't have to be full-time while you start it. And that I bet you no, no fewer than a dozen hundred to $200 million companies will start up in this space over the next six to 12 months. You'll see. Uh, I bet you there are some companies already in this space. There's a, a, a waste management company called Ecology. The symbol is E-C-O-L. I do not own the stock, but I bet you they'll get into this business and you could kind of study their model a little bit. But I'm absolutely sure you could start this from scratch. I already get questions from companies. What do we do for coronavirus compliance? So I know this is good stuff. Now, what I just described, how I would do it, I would do that for anything. So for instance, if you look at Google Trends, look at look at Google Trends, um, and that always tells you how different search terms are trending up or down. And so yeah, I, I, I'm going to ask you if you would know why this is trending. So just in the past month, and I'll ask anybody here, uh, just in the past month, CMOS is trending. No <laughs> why would CMOS be trending? So I think there are, I didn't dig into it fully, but I'm going to take two guesses. One is my guess is it's used for skin treatments. Like sometimes seaweed is good for mm-hmm. skin. There's some right. evidence. Uh, there's like vitamins. My guess is also it's uh, healthy. It's like greens. It's like, it's like kale, underwater kale. Yeah. So it probably tastes awful, but it has all these vitamins and antioxidants and so on. So this has been trending up in the past month. When I Google it just a little bit, there's this guy, Dr. Sebi, who was recommending it for smoothies and shakes. He's dead. Uh, there was a rapper, Nipsey Hussle, who was going to do a documentary about him. He was killed. And so a whole conspiracy thing happened, which made Dr. Sebi popular and all his food recommendations very popular. So CMOS has started trending. Now, right now, we don't really know why it's trending, but you could do the exact same technique I just described for how I would build up coronavirus compliance. I would start writing the 12 articles, the 12 benefits of CMOS, or how to make your skin as tight as possible, put CMOS on it, or the one missing ingredient from your green smoothie in the morning that you have to have to live longer, CMOS. And you just write hundreds of articles about CMOS, write the book on CMOS, maybe start buying uh, keyword phrases like Irish CMOS and have it all directed to your website, create a newsletter about make your own CMOS, you know, smoothie, the secret ingredient for all people who live over a hundred, whatever it is. Like you always want to tell the truth, but, but Google it. Why was Dr. Sebi so into this? Why was the rapper Nipsey Hussle apparently into this? And again, quietly become the expert, the one to go to the source for CMOS. And then you can start selling anything. You can sell a newsletter. You can sell a subscription box. So anybody who goes to jameseccmos.com, you can subscribe to my free newsletter with about all the benefits of CMOS and all the different types of CMOS. And then once a month I'll, for a fee, I'll send you a subscription box, a gift box with here's your CMOS perfume. Here's your CMOS soap. Here's your CMOS smoothie. Here's your CMOS edible underwear. Who knows? In fact, I I did Google. There is some belief that CMOS could be good for erectile dysfunction for people under men under the age of 40. Uh, So keep that in mind. So, uh, so again, that's the exact same technique that I would have used for coronavirus compliance. I would also use the exact same technique if I was starting a business revolving around CMOS and you have to ask what when you search for things that are trending only recently on Google, it was, it was only in this past month since, since April 1st that CMOS started trending on Google. So that means something's going on and there's a, uh, uh, Jay edible underwear is a thing, but usually it's like chocolate or gummy bear or whatever. Uh, Jay ask me in private. <laughs> at these things. So, uh, so yeah, so, so something's going on with CMOS. Somebody just asked about Netflix. Why isn't, um, Hey, Cody says Robin is so hot. Cody, watch out. I've got, I've been doing push-ups, quarantine push-ups. Um, 
Someone just asked, why is Netflix not a good investment? And I will tell you, but it's really important to know also that here I was just describing two business ideas. One, arguably, I can make an argument, this idea is worth $100 million with almost no money to invest. It just takes time. It takes about six to 12 months to really get it off the ground. And then this other idea about CMOS, who knows what that's worth, if anything, it's so much more valuable. Ideas are so much more valuable than stocks. Stocks are just, I hardly ever own stocks. I actually had of a company that just went, that just announced their IPO or merger uh, yesterday. So they're going to be a stock. And then I only own like one or two other stocks, but I would never buy or sell Netflix. But it's I, having ideas for companies and how to execute on them. You can make millions of percent on your investment instead of like 12, like the market on average goes up 8% a year. Nobody really gets rich just investing stocks, investing in stocks. You have to, you have to diversify your life. You have to invest in yourself. You have to develop your idea muscle by writing 10 ideas a day. And then you invest in your ideas. Um, I had an idea today, actually. Uh, wait, what's this? Hi, Robin. Your your beauty is so good to have some female vibe here. I agree. <laughs> Robin, what do you do to stay so beautiful? I always like look at you and from this is a true story. I'll see her from a distance, like two blocks away. And I'll think to myself, man, I better not have. I hope Robin's not around because I'm going to check out this woman who's walking two blocks from me. And then I realize it's Robin. So that's that's the truth. So what do you do to stay so good looking? I mean, I need to do it. I need some sea moss, perhaps. <laughs> Put it all, all over my face, my I eyes. I don't know. What do you do? Not, Your do skin's anything. so great. I don't know. I don't eat. It's not like I eat. You have good, well. beautiful, long hair. It's hard for women <laughs> sometimes to have such beautiful hair. So anyway, we can, I don't want to spend the whole time. She's going to get a big head. Just... Be quiet. She's going to, it's going to go to her head because normally she doesn't, normally I put her down during the day. And so she doesn't get too egotistical and she doesn't start looking around And you know, we started before this quarantine, we started doing training in the gym and, and the, the trainer, his name was Robert, very good guy. I, I would get a little jealous when he's stretching up, even when he's stretching me out, I think I feel his penis against my leg when he's like stretching me out. I don't, I don't know what she's feeling when he stretches her out. Like just relax. So, but, but, uh, thank you. I have, I have aged. look, I have gray hair, so I have aged a little bit. Uh, uh, okay. What, what do you eat during the day? What's your, what's your, when you wake up in the morning, she eats like shit, but what do you just tell them what you eat? Crepes. She eats crepes in the morning. She made crepes for me this morning. Sometimes I eat um, cereal. She eats. I love. She Lucky eats Charms. Fruit Loops and Lucky Charms. I don't eat that, Fruit Loops. I like Lucky, Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms is the same thing. It's like sugar I'm and jealous, artificial coloring. I, mean, I don't know. I like. It that like stuff. damages your brain. Uh, it's just good, but sometimes I eat eggs too. So so oh yeah so sometimes no I've not, I haven't seen you eat an egg in like six months. You That's eat true. you eat like. <laughs> quarantine i'm like and then usually usually you skip lunch you i yeah, skip I lunch every day and eat. sometimes every other day i'll skip breakfast yeah. i skip lunch every day and then for dinner we have we have um a, a instead of ordering delivery or instead of ordering groceries we don't want to put more stress on the system we have paid or me we don't want to stress robin because we have oh, yeah horrible cook she eats Actually, lucky charms I'm really for good but you don't like my food because it's all kid food. It's like cheese. She's great butter. for cooking for kids. But uh, <laughs> we 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 pay a woman to cook healthy meals for us every week. She drops it off every Thursday. Meals for the whole week, and it's cheaper than going get, doing gross. It's probably about the same as grocery shopping, and it's cheaper than delivery. And she makes meals for all the kids. Mm -hmm. And um, Chef Rudy also drops off gummy bears so we could sleep better with the marijuana, but whatever. Uh, and oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that officially. I was just thinking that I didn't say that. And so, uh, so I, anyway, 
Very important. I'm going to answer the question about Netflix in a second, but very important to pay attention to how or or not. But like these two business ideas, it, it's not so much the business ideas. It's my particular approach. Like someone asked me on a podcast yesterday, uh, the podcast is called My First Million. And I, I don't think the episode's out yet. Maybe it'll be out in a couple of weeks. But on that podcast, they asked me if I was 22 years old and knew nothing, how would I start my first business? And nobody knew who I was. I had no social media. How would I start my first business? And I described it. And it was similar to how I just described how I would create a $100 million business out of coronavirus compliance and how I would start or think about this CMOS business. It started with looking at what's trending on Google Trends. And that tells you what are people investigating. So for instance, last week, I saw that the top selling product being searched for, I think on Shopify was bread machines. And so I looked at Alibaba, you could find a bread machine for $35. The same bread machine on Amazon was $300. And on Alibaba, you have to buy them in in quantities of a thousand. But okay, so you spend $30,000 for bread machines, but then you sell each one for $200 on Amazon. And I know people say, oh, drop shipping is old news. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But these opportunities are still there. And particularly if you catch, you know, on Pinterest, the top trending item after surgical masks was noodles. And I think it was on Shopify, which I checked on stackline.com surveys Shopify. Uh, The top trending item was, or second after surgical masks, was bread machines because we talked about this about a month ago. Bread, uh, everybody hates bread, right? It's all low carb, this low carb, that. But bread has something a, a chemical called tryptophan in it, which is a precursor for serotonin. So you know when you take Prozac or whatever, Prozac is what's called an SSRI. It inhibits whatever inhibits serotonin in your brain. So it's an antidepressant. So instead of taking Prozac, a lot of people were anxious during this lockdown, this quarantine. And so they, they, you couldn't necessarily buy bread. So they got bread machines. They learned how to make bread and it smells good. It tastes good and it has serotonin in it, or it has the precursor to serotonin. So when you eat bread, it actually makes you, and when you eat bread at night or, you know, let's say five, 6 PM, it makes you feel calm, during the, you know, at the end of the day, it helps you to sleep better at night if you don't eat too close to when you go to sleep. So it's no wonder that bread machines were trending and there's an opportunity. You could buy bread machines cheap and sell them expensive. You can also create content. You could put, you know, a hundred bread recipes or, you know, that are unusual, or you could write a whole book, the connection between bread and serotonin. Who knows? You can do all these things to create content and generate ideas that, attract people to the bread machines you're selling, or you could just put them up on Amazon and there's ways to tweak the am- am- or to play with the Amazon algorithm. So your bread machines shoot up to the top. I have another story about that, but I will take a look at IG live right now. And, um, oh, so Robin, yeah. the troll police, how do you know, first off, who, already answered who's paying them? So the Chinese, the Chinese government, but how, how do you know they're working for China and not Russia? Or how do you know they're not even working well, for like they, some Nazi organization? Because they typically, well, they typically follow their own net, you know, news networks. Uh, like, oh, I see. So the Chinese trolls are following um, China Daily. The Russia trolls are following Pravda. Yeah. I'm telling you, you should write about this. this is, I think this is a side hustle. You know, John that, gave me this idea. Awesome. Really? So, yeah, because he was telling me how to. But why? Why is it fun for you to track down Chinese trolls? Uh, any trolls, but um, I don't know because I feel like I'm helping society somehow, and it just feels good to do something, you know, to fight back. Okay, so you feel like this is a good way in your spare time yeah. to perform a service, and it would be neat if you can just even get like. 10 cents per troll. Like Twitter should incentivize people. Well, actually, here's the thing. Twitter uh, doesn't want you to find the trolls, right? Because if you're arguing with all these trolls, Twitter makes more money on the ads. So Facebook, Twitter, and I'm not blaming them. These are hard times for 
for any media platform, but they all live and die on advertising. So Twitter's not necessarily against the idea of trolls. In fact, Twitter is the le- platform with the least amount of censorship on it to their credit. So mm-hmm. who should they censor China trolls? I don't know. People are upset about the 2016 election, but I think better to, than being upset at Facebook or Twitter is maybe uh, maybe people should should be stronger and not so not so influenced not so influenced by trolls. Yeah. You know, like uh, like you understand. Oh, this is a troll, so you're not going to argue with it. You're just going to report it. Um, I mean, and I know they're trolls and not bots because bots are just, I guess, a computer generated. But yeah, bots tend to repeat what you said and then insult you. Something like that. Yeah. These are definitely individuals because, you know, they just hired, like I said, 12 12 million people. You should make a list on Twitter of all the trolls and post that. And then post that that on Reddit. Oh, Oh, really? Yeah. John sent that to me. Oh, you should participate on Reddit. Get get big on Reddit. Get points on Reddit. If people, if you post lists of trolls every day, people will upvote it and you'll get um, good karma on Reddit, which means that your answers on Reddit will go higher. Reddit's a real powerful social media platform. Alexis Ohanian was the founder of Reddit. He's married to Serena Williams now. I actually was on his podcast uh, uh, a couple years ago. Um, so uh, any advice on moving to New York City these days? Don't. Well, okay, Robin, say, say what you have to say about New York City. She is going to trash New York City. <laughs> Go for it. I'm going to close my eyes. Well, my- it's just really sad, and I don't think it's going to be the same for a long time. Why is Why is New York City sad? The the capital because, of the world. Because like all the stores are closed, you you know you can't see the horizon, you can't see the sunset. You're in this this world that's fake, basically. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. What's here. What's What's fake about New York well, City? It's just like everyone's living on top of everyone, and everyone's grumpy, and you know, like they. I don't know. I just feel more judged here. People judge you more here for some reason. People, people in New York City care what other people do. It's just like, but I feel like I'm judged because I'm not like them. I feel like people are judged here as well because I feel like, I feel like people, you know, I feel like people make a living here off of their political beliefs. So you don't really know why somebody believes something. Everybody says they're one side or the other. And, and you see this on Twitter too. People make a living if they're, if they're for Biden or, or they're alt liberal or they're alt right and for Trump, they make a living if they're one or the other because they get millions of followers and then they're able to monetize that. And in New York City, everybody kind of virtue signals. And if you don't agree with every, like I agree with some things that are Democrat and liberal. I, I like a lot of the Democratic Party, but I also agree with some things that are considered Republican issues. Yeah. So kind of like uh, f- freedom of civil liberties and 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 taxes, but uh, uh, I feel like here, if you're not a hundred percent in agreement with all of your neighbors, yeah. they hate you. Right. And so, like one time, I was posting. So this was like a month ago, two months ago. I was posting. It seems like everybody who's for. By the way, this is a, coronavirus. Obviously, horrible, horrible illness. And I've said this here before. But there's no, there, there, I've been reading all these legal cases for the past 200 years that have occurred over the past 200 years. You need strong scientific justification that economic lockdowns work or else it's not constitutional, which is why Oregon, Wisconsin, and North Carolina, their Supreme Courts have overturned the economic lockdowns because they're act, nobody can present, you know, real scientific research. And then there's all this evidence that just wearing masks and social distancing are just, if not even more useful because your immune systems are better. If you can go outside, if you have meaning in your life, if you get some sun, if you exercise. So if you don't isolate kids with their grandparents, more people live. So the lockdowns might've even caused more deaths. You know, the, the word quarantine, the Latin root for it is Quar is 40, four. So the, the first quarantines were like 600 years ago for the Black Death, for the bubonic plague. And it t- turned out the incubation period for the bubonic plague was 37 days. So they would quarantine people for 40 days. This is 
And that, and they found that when they quarantined people for 40 days, that ended, completely ended the bubonic plague in whatever city they were doing the quarantine. We're on day 70 now of quarantine. It's kind of insane. So there's not, there's zero hospitalizations in New York City. And by the way, if you walk outside in New York City right now, everyone is outside, but they're wearing masks and they're mostly social distancing. And we, I talked about this yesterday. Why isn't the furniture store open? Are people really planning on crowding into a furniture store? Why isn't the frame store? If you want to frame a poster, why isn't the frame store open? It's not like there's going to be 50 people in the frame store at any one time. So most yeah. stores, even stores that are not essential, should be open. Like we all we say grocery workers are, are essential workers. There, there's a sign at the grocery store. 15-year-olds, please apply. So a 15-year-old can't go to school but can do child labor at a grocery store, and yet you can't open the furniture store, the the flower store. You can't open all these stores that don't even have any customers and are just struggled month by month to stay alive. So anyway, I pointed out that the only people who seemed really in favor of the lockdown were people who were either rich or people who had a, a steady paycheck, like journalists, academics, media, and so on. And so a friend of mine from who lives a few blocks away from here wrote me and said, James, you can't say that. That's playing into Trump's hands. And I said, what does this have to do with politics? This has to do with, I know so many people who are literally on the food line. And I know people, you know, I've been helping the employees I can from restaurants and my own comedy club. Um, but I know so many people who are in, in trouble right now and they have no risk of getting the illness at all. Don't make it political because people are dying. But that is the way New York City is. And 420,000 people left. Yeah. So the richest the people, the richest people in New York City left for the Hamptons. And other places. And other places. The Hamptons, New Jersey, Connecticut, California. So the, the, all, the, all the richest people left. And then they, and they insist New York City stays under lockdown. Like I see them, all the people who left, I see them posting every day. New York City needs to stay under lockdown until there's a vaccine. How are they going to, how are they going to stay under lockdown for another 18 months or, or zero months? So, uh, or, you know, maybe New York City will never reopen, but here's the positive side. Very strong positive side is that because people are leaving rents, rents in other places, like rents in Miami and Florida are going up. Rents in Austin, Texas are going up. I, I, I don't know where else rents are going up. I bet you Boulder, Colorado, rents are going up. But rents in New York City are going to go way down. Yeah. And rents for office space are going to go to almost zero. One friend of mine, he might even be on this uh, Instagram live. One friend of mine, he just got a year for free in office space if he signed a two-year rental agreement beyond that. So first year three free. So he's got three years, first year for free, next two years, a discount to what he was already paying. And so residential real estate is going to be the same way. So I would, I would, if you like New York City, I think who knows whether people are going to go out to bars or restaurants. And a lot, I, I would say about 40% of to 40 to 60% of the restaurants in New York City are going to go out of business the first day that this reopens, you know, 25% for the rest of the country, but more here. And so maybe many of the things that we love about New York are going to be gone in terms of culture and, and so on. But that was the case in the 1970s also. And New York City got really cheap. And everybody who invested in New York City then made a lot of money over the next 20 or 30 years. So I go back and forth. And I think we'll probably go back and forth physically and mentally on the New York City issue. So let's see another question. Uh, why are rents going up? Well, we just answered that. If you don't live in New York City or one of these main cities that people are escaping from, if you live in Miami, for instance, rents are going up because every, you know, you have hundreds of thousands of people from New York City moving, you know, sometimes Miami and that South Florida area is considered New York City South. Uh, you know, for a lot of, I'm Jewish, a lot of Jewish people always joke around like, oh, are you going to go to the homeland, Fort Lauderdale? So, uh, uh, Everybody's going to these places, so rents are going to go up. So supply and demand. Um, another question. Um, okay. Uh, what's a good structured way to write an article? 
So I just talked about if you were just starting a business, like we talked about things ranging from CMOS products to coronavirus compliance to whatever business you want to start, even if you want to start a software business, whatever, um, you have to always start an article or you have to structure an article the same way you would structure a fictional story. So it has a beginning, a middle and an end. In the beginning, the hero, which is you in a nonfiction story, or maybe it's not, maybe you're writing about someone else who has a problem. If you're talking about coronavirus compliance, the hero might be the company that would like to comply, but they forgot something very critical and someone, and now there's the call to action. This is the arc of the hero. Someone got sick. And so now the second act begins. You meet, you have more and more problems and you meet more and more friends on the journey. Like this is the story of Star Wars. This is the story of Jesus. This is the story of Ulysses. It's the story of our hero, the company, the Fortune 500 company who did not safely do coronavirus compliance. And then finally they solve the biggest problem of all. And the hero, the company goes back to tell what they learned. And that's a well-structured article. So uh, always remember, uh, and you have to have cliffhangers, all the usual stuff, but the arc of the hero applies to everything from a movie to a novel, to a short story, to a nonfiction article, to a biography, to a tweet. So the best tweets, I will guarantee you the top trending tweets today will have the arc of the hero in between one and 300 characters. So uh, that's how you structure every article. Um, oh yeah, Marie Kondo. A lot of people, uh, uh, what? Leah Mob says, you're gorgeous, Robin. Uh, oh, Mona says, Monarch says, uh, love your hair, something like that. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, uh, Tina, I agree with you. I think it's predatory for rents to increase when a lot of people are out of work. The problem is, so in New York City, rents are going down. But in, in Miami, there's so much demand, rents are going up. Unfortunately, everything is predatory, but sometimes it's the reverse. If there was no demand, rents would go down and it's not like customers would pay more because they don't want to be predatory buyers. So it's just the market decides. If Miami is where everybody, or if Austin, Texas, where everyone wants to move, they kind of have to charge more. So I think the key is though, there's going to be other cities than Austin or Miami. There's going to be Boulder, Colorado. There's going to be St. Louis, Missouri. There's going to be Nashville, Tennessee. There's going to be Cincinnati, Ohio. There's going to be all these. There might be Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which I used to live in is a beautiful city. There's going to be all of these second and third tier cities that are going to be huge. And you can move to any of them. By the way, you can move to uh, Puerto Rico. You can move to the Cayman Islands. You can move to Portugal. And, you know, remote work is going to be a big deal. So, uh, Portugal, Panama, um, Colombia have super cheap rents. So um, let's see. I'm going to, before I see questions, I'm going to see if there's something else I wanted to talk about. Let's stop to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because Side by side with the business summit was the Norway chess summit where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever playing chess, but it was four plane rides like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours and they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class, so I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like, if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com 
slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, this is an interesting thing. So, uh, so you know how sometimes when people are pricing, uh, Robin, it's nonstop. Nat Younger says... What? Robin is really is gorgeous. You're lucky, James. I know I'm lucky. Don't tell lucky. her. Don't We're tell her how lucky. lucky I am because then my luck might run out. You think people are lucky forever? No. Bad luck is right around the corner. No. So uh, Tina would love to move to an island. Tina, islands could be cheap. Start going on Zillow and looking. There's. I bet you could find, uh, you know, uh, what's that island? I've even been to it. I can't remember it now. Off of the coast. Sardinia. I bet you Sardinia rents are cheap. Sicily, Corsica. I bet you all these beautiful places, the rents are super cheap because they've been under lockdown. People are, are fleeing Italy. So Italy's probably a great opportunity right now and so on. So um, I wanted to talk an interesting thing about the psychology of pricing products. For instance, let's say you're thinking of we talked about the Amazon book, a 30-day book challenge, and then you self-publish on Amazon. Well, on Amazon, you could charge $3 for your book. Can anyone answer why it's better to, to say your book is $2.99 than $3? Why is it better to say your book is $2.99? Because it sounds better. It sounds cheaper. It does. It sounds cheaper. People tend to read numbers, particularly decimal numbers, from left to right. So they see the two and they think, oh, that's cheaper than three. So that's, we all kind of knew that technique, but there's some other interesting techniques. Do you know if you don't include a comma, let's say you're, you're, you're pricing something at $1,600, $1,600. Don't put the comma, just write 1600 and uh, people will think it's cheaper than one comma 600. I don't know why. I have no idea why. Hmm. Maybe because there's fewer characters, so they think it's cheaper. But yeah, Barbara, you're right. It is psychology, but this is all scientifically researched. People would rather pay uh, the price. They prove this if it's one six zero zero instead of one comma six zero zero. Here's another one. This is an interesting one. If you, if your number, if your price, if you could say it out loud with fewer syllables, people tend to think numbers with fewer syllables are cheaper than numbers with lots of syllables. Even if this number with lots of syllables, yeah. like like 2,752 uh -huh. is, uh, is, is cheaper than 2,800, but people think it's more expensive uh, at first glance because it has more syllables. Um, here they say, oh, that's two. Like what? 200? Oh, two, no, two million. Right, too <laughs> large. So uh, here's another one. And this is, this is interesting. Next time you're at the, at the restaurant, look at the menu and look at the prices. I bet you it does not have a dollar sign at the prices. So instead of saying, oh, the pasta is $15, it'll just say 15. 
So apparently people think something's cheaper if it's the same number, but it doesn't have a dollar sign. So, okay, we just went over four or five techniques for how to use psychology to price things. And it uses these weird cognitive biases that the, the brain, it's not because the brain is so stupid. It's just that it takes shortcuts. So we've over millions of years, we've learned to take shortcuts with the brain. And these are some of those shortcuts. And I like exploring and researching and using in a practical life, uh, these cognitive biases. It's always, it's always useful to, to learn. And these are ones I picked out because there's scientific research behind them. Okay. There's an idea for a, a 30 day book challenge, what? 30, 30 cognitive biases or 30, 30 mental, 30 brain shortcuts that will make you more money. Boom. So, and then you could use each one. You can quote the scientific research and then you could tell a story of how you've used it or seen it used in practice. Like the restaurant example, go to the local restaurant, restaurant owner and ask, why didn't you put the dollar sign and see what he says and then show him the research and see what he says. You have an interesting book. Boom. 30 day book challenge of cognitive biases around, uh, 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 pricing. So, uh, let's see. I'll look for another question. You can ask questions of, of Robin as well. Um, will Trump, oh, by the way, before I answer another question, I just want to mention, I don't even know, Robin, if I told you. So do you know uh, Tom's Shoes? Have you ever heard of Tom's Shoes? Have you ever heard of Tom's Shoes? So it's a shoe company where... Oh, yeah, Tom's, yes. Yeah, it's a shoe company where it's like all organic materials, I guess. And and for every shoe you buy, it um, it goes to charity. So uh, uh, Tom, the, the, the founder of Tom's Shoes, is, is going to be on with us tomorrow on IG Live. So for the whole hour. So if you get here at 2 p.m. tomorrow, the creator of uh, uh, of of Tom Shoes, the, the founder of the company, is going to be on IG Live. And we're going to be talking about how he started the company, um, what's his beliefs, you know, how, uh, we're going to talk about entrepreneurship. Uh, oh, Robin actually is a is is a more active stock picker than me. So, Robin, what is your favorite stocks out there right now? IIPR. So Robin's favorite stock, which we've yeah. talked about quite a bit, is IIPR. So if you look at that stock, IIPR, Igloo, Igloo, Pam, Ralph, uh, it's, a, it's a real estate investment trust. It's a REIT. They own land, but they own land for the specific purpose of growing marijuana on it. So they're, they're a marijuana REIT. And I think this is a very valuable pick because why? Well, the United States has to figure out how to raise money right now. We're spending trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars on stimulus. So Robin does not smoke weed. No, um, we're raising trillions and trillions of dollars on stimulus. And marijuana is only recre recreationally legal in a few states, even though it's like potentially a multi-hundred billion dollar market. And I'm not even just talking about recreational marijuana. There, right now, there are no pharmaceutical approved uses of marijuana because of marijuana's legal status. So once you make marijuana legal, completely legal, the United States is going to raise so much money in taxes. It's ridiculous. So a, a REIT like IIPR, which pays, what's the dividend on IIPR? I don't know. I think it's like three. So IIPR pays a three or 4% dividend, which is so much higher than you'd get in a savings account. I'm not, I don't own the stock, by the way. She owns it. Uh, so I don't give a shit. She could lose money. I don't care. But, uh, I do agree with her that IIPR is a great pick because hundred percent chance marijuana, every, remember one of the themes of post coronavirus is acceleration. Everything that was eventually going to happen is going to happen right away. Marijuana was eventually going to be recreationally legal. It's going to be recreationally legal right away. It's going to be, there's going to be pharmaceutical uses. And the main beneficiary is going to be the ground, the real estate that owns that, that you have to rent out to grow marijuana because that's all regulated. IPR does it. That it pays a great dividend. That's a company that's here to stay. I will also say for me, um, uh, the, I'll just say the two stocks that I own, WRTC, which is the RAP Technologies. It's a law enforcement stock. That's, it's the only non-lethal weapon out there. So it saves lives. And as of today or 
I will own soon another company because they're buying a private company that I'm an investor in. N is in Nancy, T is in Tom, R is in Ralph, P, I think that's it. Neurotrope, they're, they're gonna change their name because they're buying a, a, a company, a men's health company called Metuchen Pharmaceuticals. They're, they sell uh, an erectile dysfunction drug called Stendra, and no, I have never used it, uh, but it's apparently a great drug. And uh, that stock, they, you know, I own it. I'm, well, I'm not even recommending, I'm just saying I own it. So I own that NTRP and, or I will once that merger is closed and I own WRTC Wrap Technologies. That's my favorite company in the world. And then she's recommending IIPR. So that's a Robin stock pick. Good question. Um, Robin, who is your favorite comedian? You. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> but you've seen me so much. You got to get bored. I, I mix it up. I, Robin goes to every single... Robin goes to every single comedy show that I do. So she's seen some jokes a thousand times, but I, but because she's always there, I, I do try. I always try to come up with new material, probably more than any other comedian out there. I, 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 I really, because I am always trying to, she is the person I'm always trying to entertain when I do a comedy show. Cause she's the only person in the audience I know, and I can always hear her laugh. So I always try to come up with really hard with new material every single comedy show or I'll, she loves it when I make fun of our kids. I'll make <laughs> jokes about them like, you know, our 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 son is a is a vegan and I'll make fun of that. Like, or you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or he's an insectarian or, and I'll, you know, I have a whole bunch of jokes like, you know, I'll ask him, like, what food even tastes good if you're a vegan and he'll go like quinoa and I'll make fun of him because I'll say we speak English in this house. It's pronounced quinoa and audience usually laughs. And then I have a whole anyway. And I, and sometimes I make fun of her and she likes that too. So that's the one thing I used to, have, I used to close your ears. I used to date someone who didn't like when I made fun of her. She would cry when I made fun of her and we had to end. So, and then five days later I had my first date with Robin wouldn't you figure? It wasn't a date, though. It was like a Oh, yeah. Meeting. Oh, yeah. It wasn't a date. Here's what happened. I'll tell you this story, and then we'll, we might run out of time. But uh, Robin, I, I was going through, kind of going through a breakup, and so were you. And uh, Robin emailed me and said, can we meet for a coffee? I want to run some stocks by you. She was really obsessed with all these cannabis stocks. And... I, I, we knew each other a little bit and I knew I was attracted to her. So I said, well, I can't make coffee. Uh, how about, how about dinner? And I had a really bad day. That was a Friday. That was a Friday. I had a really bad day that day, actually, because I was doing this whole video shoot in this room. Was, all these complications were happening with other stuff. Uh, and I was thinking of canceling. But I'm like, nah, you know, I promised and I put it off once. So we met at Nobu, which was my favorite date restaurant. She did not know that until now. I met at, we met at Nobu and she started blah, 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 stocks, blah, 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 cannabis. You should talk, talk to me about what, what should I do with these cannabis stocks? And I'm like, oh my God, I am so bored. I cannot, ha I don't like talking about stocks. This is really boring. So I switched the conversation and I wasn't in the mood to go out with anybody, to be honest, but I was attracted to her. I wasn't in the mood. I thought I was going to be a monk for at least a year just to like calm down. And I switched the t conversation to talking about kids and about relationships and things like that and, and creativity and fun things. And she loves talking about kids and family and parenting. You should ask her questions about parenting. She could write 10 books about parenting. So, and I thought to myself, there was, it was like a light bulb went off. I'm like, ah, not only, I, not only am I attracted to her, but I just realized at the right old age of 50 that you should go out with somebody, you should date someone who has similar values to you and similar experiences about parenting and suffering and loss. We've both experienced a lot of loss in our lives and... It was like this light bulb went off. And so about halfway through the dinner, all I could think about was how am I going to 
kiss her. That's what I was thinking. She kept blah, 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 parenting, blah. And that, at this point, I had listened to her for the first two hours. We didn't even order a meal for three hours. We were just talking. But starting around hour three, the third hour, I started figuring, th- trying to think, how am I going to kiss her before this is over? And, oh, we only have one minute left. Oh, so I'll finish that story tomorrow. the day after tomorrow because tomorrow, oh, right. tomorrow we have Tom's Shoes. The founder of Tom's Shoes is coming on the IG Live. Get your Please get your questions ready for the founder of Tom's Shoes. I'm, we all, we're all going to have fun asking him questions. So, and what day is it today? Today's um, Tuesday? Tuesday so Thursday, IG, IG Live. I'll finish the story. It was our first date. I was trying to figure, three hours in, we had an order. I was trying to figure out how to kiss her. I'm going to save this on IGTV. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.